He is the men's director for the Michigan District of the Assemblies of God. Would you give Chuck a warm welcome this Amen. morning as he comes to bring the word? Amen. Amen. Pastor Norm, thank you, buddy. Thank you. What an incredible joy. Thank you, buddy. I love you. Well, I, I tell you, I was, um, Pastor Norm and I met years ago, and we had a commonality. We, we both came out of the, uh, um, the auto factories. God called us to the ministry, right? Out of the auto factories, and, and uh, met a long time ago. And uh, boy, it's been, we, we were catching up yesterday, is what we were. And so somebody had to come get us and to say, hey, you two, you better get some pancakes because they're running out real quick. And we had no idea what the time was. You know, we were catching up with, with a dear, dear friend. I'm going to say that right now. And so what a joy it is to be with you this morning. I felt the presence of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords here this morning. I'll tell you, amen, amen. Good to be here. Um, you know what? Uh, this morning, um, we're going to go to the Word of God. And I've got something that the Lord placed on my heart for this season of, of life. Um, we live in a, um, a society today, it doesn't take long for you to figure out that men in general are stereotyped into something that we're not. God's men is not what Hollywood says God's men are. God's men is who God says they are. And they are, have and act in a biblical masculinity that Hollywood has no idea of what it is. And so now is the time. And I really, really, really love Pastor Norm, Brother Mike, for what you're doing in men's ministry. Because the time is now, gentlemen, that men's ministry needs to step up. You know, and minister to that against what the enemy has, has thrown at our men. Absolutely. Uh, I made a statement yesterday, and we talk a lot about we need more men in the church, but I'll say it this way, we need more church in our men. And we need more God in men's hearts. We really do. And so we're trying, with everything that was in us, I thank the Michigan District for, for calling. Uh, I answered the phone. I said, well, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> and... Uh, but we felt a move of the Holy Spirit that we should step into this role that has been absent for a while. And God's doing some great things. And Pastor, absolutely, I was rejoicing at the healings and deliverance that took place. And I want those guys to feast on everything that we did yesterday, Brother Mike, for, for months and weeks to come. And so just take Chuck out of the way. I don't need to be in the limelight. Let it be Jesus, man. You know, Let it be Jesus, nothing but him. So this morning, um, um, I'd, I'd like to, for just a few minutes, I want to talk about desperate Christians needed. Desperate Christians are needed. And we'll pray in just a minute. Desperate times cause for desperate action from desperate for God people. It really does. It's obvious to all of us here at The Hope that we are living in desperate times in America. Especially when you have a 19-year-old that decides to open fire in Florida on 17 of his classmates and kill them. Would you agree with me this morning, church? We live in desperate times. We really do. And I believe that the body of Christ in the near future, we're going to face some challenging times. 
And I think it's more than we've ever seen in church history. But I want to tell you one thing. <laughs> Don't fear. Our redemption draws nigh. He's still on the throne. And he's still God. And he still moves. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. So we're looking up to the Savior. You know, let me be clear this morning. When I say disparate Christians are needed, I, 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 the desperate for God statement, let me, let me address that. It, 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 it's, it's desperate for God to say, I'm desperate for more of God. You understand what I'm saying? It, it, the Old Testament is, is abundant with, with calls for God to come down. And I understand that. But it was to take a closer examination of the, of the situation at hand. I, I, I know that, okay? But I trust the words of my Savior that said, whether two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst. That's what I believe. And you know, Isaiah says, don't fear because I am with you. Jesus is with us this morning and he is here this morning and he has received the praise that he alone is due from the people of the hope. And so when I'm saying for desperate, I'm not saying desperate for God to show up. God's already here. But I'm desperate for more of him and a deeper walk with him. Folks, the cross of Christ changed it all for me. We are blessed to be living on this side of Calvary. Would you agree? So desperate isn't being uh, desperate about acquiring his presence. God is with us, and he will never forsake us. Amen? And he will accompany us everywhere we go. We've already said that. But oh, will we cry out, oh God, take me deeper in you. God, I'm desperate for a, a, a deeper relationship. God, I want you more and more in my life. Because we're living in desperate times. Never fall prey to, to placing your journey in Christ into an autopilot, cruise control, I've done my time mode of just going through the motions. Hope, don't do that. Those are motions that lack a heartfelt desperation for more of God. See, that mindset's a problem. It's a, it's a deceptive captivity of the heart. Church, let me be very clear with you this morning. We will never, ever, ever reach a final place of having the cups of our souls filled with enough of God. You're never going to make it. Let me, let, me, let me say this very closely. Complacency and a contented spiritual heart is a very dangerous place to be. Don't ever get there. These are spiritual giants. Let me say that. Mike, these are spiritual giants that we have to, as men to avoid at all costs. At all costs. I'm going to say something odd to you this morning. Goliath was the smallest giant that David ever faced. That one he won. But he fell prey to the giant of apathy. The giant of boredom. The giant of success. He fell to that one. And we all know what happened. I got the scripture this morning that said 2 Samuel 11, 1, and it happened in the spring of the year at the time when kings go out to battle that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel. 
Where you at, David? But David stayed in Jerusalem. And we all know what happened after that. In the spring of the year when kings should go out to battle, David's at home. David, why are you at home? You're not where you're supposed to be. Men of God, make sure you're where you're supposed to be. And that's in the house of the Lord. Don't stay at home. No, 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 don't do that. My challenge to all the men here this morning and all of the leaders and all of the church in general, always, always keep God's amazing grace amazing in your life and never let that go. My message this morning is to outline what I believe that is the four essentials to live a desperate life for God so that we can renew and remotivate ourselves and stir up the gift that's within us, Paul tells Timothy, to know him more. And hope, don't settle for the status quo of staying like you are. Always keep changing, always changing, always amazing. My prayer, we're going to leave here all today, and, and I, I want you to see Jesus. I don't want you to see Chuck, the guy that goes to Northfield. <laughs> I don't want you to see that. But I'm hoping and praying that this message this morning, you'll be able to feast on it for, for days and weeks to come. And I hope I leave here and pray that you'll have a more renewed enthusiasm and inspiration for a deeper relationship with God. That's what I want to leave you with. All this, this play that you're going to put on next weekend, Pastor Norm, I pray with all my heart that it'll reap a harvest like hope's never seen before of souls for the kingdom's sake. I pray that. I really do. So if you have your Bibles this morning, turn with me over to Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. I won't read all of them at the same time, but we'll have them up on the screen. Um, I'm, I'm using on the screen the New King James Version this morning. I hope you don't hold it against me. <laughs> but, uh, so I'll have that this morning. But before we do that, we're going to pray that our hearts will receive the word this morning. Hope, is that okay to do that? Let's pray. You ready? Father, I just give you thanks, Lord, for this morning. This is your house. These are your people, and this is your day. Father, we pray right now that you take this word, and God, that you transform this word, Lord, and may our hearts receive it with gladness this morning, that, oh God, the goal is, all of us, myself included, to leave here with a greater enthusiasm than I've ever had in my life, to go deeper with a relationship with you, oh God. Touch each and every individual here this morning, my King. Lord, and touch us afresh that we leave this place with our joyful and enthusiastic, Lord, and God, with a desire, Lord, for more of you than we've ever had. God, I pray for the hope. I pray, Lord, for this church. I pray for its leaders, God, right now, that this church in this day, God, will reap a harvest like they ain't never seen before. And so, God, right now, make them be a beacon of light, Lord, throughout the entire area. God, we pray. And I glorify you, God, and we'll lift our hearts and hands to you because all the praise is due to you, O oh God, my King. And I love you, Jesus, this morning, and we pray that in Jesus' precious name. Would God's saints say amen? Amen, amen. amen. Good to be with you. Mark chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. You know, I'll stop there, and again, he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Jesus is in the house, right? Immediately he gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. My first point, hope, this morning is the first essential of desperate people is desperate people are hungry people. Desperate people 
are hungry people. So you see, this house that I'm talking about, it's like all the other houses in Capernaum. You know, there isn't any new furniture from the big box stores, Art Van or Gardner White or any new appliances. No, no, no. This isn't a housewarming party. This is, this, this is just a, a house like the rest of the houses in the neighborhood. But you know why this house is full? It's because Jesus is in the house. There's something different here. This house is packed to the walls with people who are hungry and have specific void, specific void in their lives. And, and, and it, be it physical or spiritual. And we saw, Mike, we saw some healings take place yesterday. But you know what? There's some, some healings in the, in the spiritual realm that can take place. Amen? Am I right? So, you know, let me talk to the moms here this morning. Well, I, I got to talk to moms. I know I'm a men's. Well, anyway. A hey, mom, listen to this. Babies that are hungry are never intimidated by the kind of people that's sitting around them. Right? It could be the highest ranking international figure of the world, but I guarantee you that baby will put its entire focus and energy on letting you know there's a problem down here. Right, mom? Come on. And all the moms, hey? Hungry babies aren't frightened by anybody else's opinion. They're not. And their very survival depends on their ability to demonstrate to the one who can supply the need. And that's you, mom, right? Do you know that our God is moved and responds to the hunger cries of his children. Amen. He always will. He always does. Void and hunger throughout all of Scripture has always moved the heart of God. Hungry hearts will move him every time. And God will always take swift action. He always has and he always will under those circumstances and those conditions. Well, Pastor Chuck, what are you talking about? Let's go to Genesis 1.1. Let's start with the very beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. God will not leave an earth void. He will always take action on that. Not going to leave it like that. It's too empty. That's not our God. So what do you do? Well, God took the earth and he filled it with light time and order he takes the void of the skies and he fills it with all the starry host and the birds that soar he took the sea and he filled it full of fish and sea light of all kinds and he took the land and god filled it with plants and trees and animals isn't that wonderful i think god's the best artist i've ever seen in my life it's the beauty of it the world sees these things but they refuse to acknowledge the god that created all of them from nothing Right? And if God, what's the point? What's the point? The point is, if God filled all of that void, He's certainly more than able to fill the void of our hearts. If He can do that, He can do this. He can fill our hearts. If we just cry out to Him, God, I'm desperate for you. Am I looking at some desperate people this morning? Come on now. We cry out to Him. Do you remember the feeding of the 5,000? Let me, let me go to that one. John chapter 6. The point of feeding the 5,000 is not the little, the little boy, and it's not the five barley loaves, the two fish and five barley loaves. Oh, and don't miss that now. There were two types of grain in the New Testament. There was wheat for those that could afford it, 
Barley was for the poor people. Well, what are you saying, Chuck? The little boy gave his lunch without knowing where his next meal is coming from. He's poor. His family's dirt poor because that's what barley loaves are made for, the poor people. Okay? But that ain't what moved Jesus' heart. They said, Chuck, are you kidding? No, I'm not. It was the hunger of the crowd that moved his heart. He filled that hunger. Jesus is the only answer to a hungry and a desperate soul. I don't know what the world thinks it is, but it's Christ. He's the answer for all of that. He really is. A soul that needs refreshing from our God doesn't care who's there, who's looking, what they dress, or what they think. Hungry people will cry out to God and do what is necessary to fill that void in their souls, in their lives. Jesus makes this promise to the hungry. Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. He who comes to me will never hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. I can hang on to that promise. That's a good one right there. How many know the word works? Amen? Desperate people are hungry people. Men of God, are we hungry for more of his presence in our lives? I, I say yes. I say we are. I say 44 men that showed up at that breakfast yesterday was hungry for more of God in their lives. I do. I'm going to tell you, let's take a stand on this word that I just said. Let's take a stand. I pray we all do. All right, let me go back. I got to move on. I'm long-winded. All right, here we go. Mark chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. Let me take part of verse 4 there. When they came to him, bringing a paralytic man who was carried by four men, and when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. Let me stop right there. The second essential of a desperate people are desperate people are dangerous people. Desperate people are dangerous people. They're not only hungry, but they're dangerous. You know, I thank the Lord, let me say this, I thank the Lord for people that don't possess the fear of heights. Uh, I'm not one, okay, there you go, you know. Hey, let me, let me ask you, I, got a, I think I got a picture of it. I think I got a picture. Did you guys see the advertisement for the, uh, for the uh, Grand Canyon Skywalk? Have you guys seen that? That glass bottom? Yeah, that thing, that thing, you know, that's it. It's a horseshoe-shaped cantilever bridge with a glass walkway that's hanging over the side of the cliff, you know, and caught. No. No. I just say no. That's it. No. 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 That ain't me. That ain't me. That's not, Pastor Norm, I can't do that. No. I'd be crawling. Oh, God, get me off. Anyway, you know. Why do I mention that? Now, think about this. When you think of this rooftop maneuver, you got four guys. They carried this guy up to the rooftop, right? This text, this guy ain't laying on a Tempur-Pedic, guys. He's not laying on a Stearns and Foster. He's not even laying on, on, a, on, a, on a mattress. The bed or the mat that this guy's laying on, in, in, in according to research, was not much thicker than a heavy quilt that we use today. And you got, you're carrying me up there with this? Really? That's dangerous. But this man has entrusted his life into the hands of four friends that possess an ability he does not have. Let me say this. This paralyzed man is not hanging around paralytic people. 
He's hanging around people that have the gift that he does not have. Remember we said yesterday, together, right? We're better together. Let me, let me talk about my mom. Mom is 80 plus. She's 84 years old. She's not here, so I can tell her age. There you go. She's 84. And mom wakes up every morning, Mike, with an uncorrectable back condition. He has scoliosis. He can't operate. She's too old for that. And let me mention to you, mom has a pacemaker as well. You know, she's, you know, uh, she has a heart issue. And she's a little bitty thing. You know, she ain't like, anyway, no, she's a little bitty thing. And you know what? If you look at mom, she's really not a threat to anybody. You know, physically, she's not a threat to anybody. But I will confirm to you this morning that my mom is a dangerous person. She's a dangerous lady. Because she knows how to rattle the throne of Almighty God. She really does. My son Jeffrey was a contract, and I know we came out of the auto industry, Pastor. And uh, he was contract. And, and contract employees, are, that's okay, but sometimes, you know, if you're raising a family, you need a little more security, you know, if you will. Because even in budget cuts, you don't have to be a bad employee. But Mike, in budget cuts, they will say, hey, I'm not going to renew your contract anymore. You guys heard that, right? So Jeffrey was looking to be uh, hired by a direct hire and get off the contract thing. And so he called his grandmother, my mom, that the way would be made clear, you know, that he would be offered a job, direct hire, right? Well, things got real serious when my mom asked, what is the name of the supervisor that needs to approve your application to get hired? And Jeffrey told her, and she said, and what is his supervisor's name? And he told her that one. Well, who is his supervisor's name? And he told her that one. He said, and she said, what is the other one? And she's writing this down, right? And, and what, is, what is his, well, Mama, that's as high as you can go. That's, that's it. We're out, we're out of people here, right? You know? My son remarks, he said, I knew when Mama asked that question, it was game over what he said oh by the way jeffrey was hired by that company just a few weeks later he was was i still believe that effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much i still believe that we all have the same opportunity to be dangerous in prayer all of us do hope you have that same opportunity to be oh man let's get dangerous in prayer amen we do that throughout scripture there have been effective dangerous prayers that have changed the entire course of history the entire course of history and it changed the world pastor Chuck, what are you talking about remember hannah hannah prayed and the whole structure in the time of the judges ended in the time of the prophets began elijah prayed and the rain immediately stopped and the ecological norms of the earth ceased. And he prayed again. And only then, when he prayed that dangerous prayer the second time, only the course of the seasons resumed its created order. And it began to rain. You remember that? Hezekiah prayed. And the earth not only stopped in its orbit, but it reversed itself 10 degrees before resuming its orchestrated path. That's a dangerous prayer. Amen? But oh, the best one. Jesus prayed, not my will, but thine be done. 
And we all are sitting here this morning because of that dangerous prayer. And I've been changed forever by the power of Almighty God. That's a dangerous prayer this morning. Oh, we couldn't get forgiveness any other way, but Christ prayed, not my will, but thine be done. That's a dangerous prayer. It's dangerous to carry somebody up to a rooftop just by a, a thick quilt. Amen? It doesn't make sense in the natural, but you certainly don't want anybody in the process to say, oops, <laughs> dropped him. But when the battles of life arise and the enemy comes rushing in, and he flings those fiery darts that we read about at us, right? The best place to be, gentlemen, is in the house of God, in the middle of dangerous people who know how to get in touch with the one who delivers us out of all our afflictions. That's the place you need to be. Believe that your big risk will be rewarded. Believe what you ask for is possible. You pray boldly. You pray courageously. You pray in the Spirit, Pentecostals. Come on. You pray in the Spirit. And always remember that God is listening to your dangerous prayers. He inclines his ear to his children, does he not? Come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We go back to the text this morning. Mark chapter 2, the last part of verse 4. And when they'd broken through, they'd let down the bed on which the paralytic was laying. Let me stop there. The third essential of a desperate people is desperate people are determined people. They're hungry, they're dangerous, but they're determined. That's the third essential. Let me have, I got that, I got that, that, that picture. Can I have that picture? That, you're looking at a picture, and I brought this one. This is in Cuba. In October 2015, I took a, men, a group of construction men to the island of Cuba. Cuba is still in a communist state. It's in a communist country. I will have you look at the gentleman in the red that's in the center highway there on the left side of the highway. His name is Oscar. The lady standing next to him is Kenya. Pastor Norm, they have a house church in Kenya. If you're in Cuba and you declare yourself a pastor, you cannot work a secular job. You're removed from any secular job. The only thing that you might do is you could sell vegetables on the side of the highway. That's all you could do. And oh, by the way, you know what he gets? He gets $14 a month. Not a week, $14 a month. Reason why I brought this picture in, in a, as a picture of determination, hope. Let me say this. That man's church is in El Calto. He lives in Bayamo, which is about 20 miles away. Mark, he doesn't have a car. He doesn't have any transportation. That man gets up at 2 o'clock in the morning to try to hitch a ride with his family, his children right there, to try to hitch a ride on a bus, a taxi, any way they can get there. He gets up at 2 o'clock in the morning so he could be at his church in El Calto to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to 70 people at 10 o'clock in the morning. And I come back to the States, and it breaks my heart when I, say, when I see people, well, my alarm clock didn't go off. I just didn't get up today. Oh, God, help us. That is a picture of hope of determination. 
I don't care if the air conditioning don't work this Sunday. I don't care if the microphones don't work right this Sunday. I don't care if we have to sing a cappella this Sunday. I'm coming to the house of God because I'm determined to get into his presence this morning and receive from him what I need in my soul. Throughout the ministry of Jesus Christ, our Savior, there were specific individuals that were driven by desperate determination. They wouldn't give up to satisfy the longing in their hearts. The longing for something that they tried to find in in the suggestions and the promises of the world. But that world could never deliver. Let me give you some. Desperate determination causes blind Bartimaeus. How many has ever heard of him, right? A man whose, whose name that the society has attached his physical handicap. He cries all the more for Jesus after being scolded by the crowd to be silent. But he's not going to allow his inabilities or the crowd to drown him out from receiving what he desires from Jesus Christ that nobody else can supply. He's determined. There's a desperate determination that compels a woman who's not even known by her name. They're only known by her physical disease. She has an issue of blood. We don't even know who she is, but... but She's considered unclean by the culture of that day. She's prohibited from ever attending the tabernacle for her condition. But she's determined. She presses through the mass of people who just stay away from her and branded her unclean. Just to touch the hem of the Savior's garment, to be free, to go without restriction, to be free from humiliation of the masses, to free her from the infirmities that the doctors could not cure. That's determination. There's desperate determination that drives a grown man by the name of Zacchaeus. He's small in stature. He's a member of the Roman IRS. He's got the corner office, guys, and he's got the wealth to go with it. But when Jesus arrives, he climbs the tree in his three-piece suit like a playground child just to get a glimpse of the one who can only fill the void in his soul that wealth and position will ever satisfy. That's determination. And there's desperate determination that propels a woman with a background so shameful that the social order has even dropped her name. She's only known as the sinful woman who's only known by her past. Yeah, she grew up on the wrong side of the tracks. She's been on the streets way too long. But she breaks into a Pharisee dinner party where the women of that day would never be allowed to enter just to anoint the Savior's feet and wash them with her tears. And Jesus forgives the sin that society just won't let go. That's determination. And that's the kind of determination that these four men are desperate for a miracle in their friend's life that pushes them to carry him up to a rooftop and break through the roof and lower him to to the one who can supply the need, if you will. Oh, if I could just get him to Jesus. If I could just get him to Jesus. Oh, can we say that same thing? If I could just get them to Jesus, man, they'd be changed. If I could just get them to Jesus, that's it. It's that kind of desperate determination that will propel us into a greater presence of God like we've never experienced before. We will not allow labels, handicaps, diseases, or our past to deter us from the blessing that God has in store for us. I'm going to say this, and I feel this in my spirit. I'm going to tell you, God doesn't care if you're born on the wrong side of the tracks. 
He don't care what your past is. He cast our sin as far as the east is from the west. Amen? He doesn't care. He wants you. He wants you. Desperate determination is a motivation to direct a course toward godly pursuits and never, never, never allow ourselves to be distracted or discouraged. More than than ever, we need individuals that possess that type of desperate determination. And I refuse to give up in the face of adversity. Go back to Scripture. Let me get the last one, and I'll get out of the way here. Jesus, Mark chapter 2, verse 5. Jesus saw their faith. He said, the paralytic. Now, I'm going to emphasize when he saw their faith. Not the guy on the mat. When he saw their faith. He said, son, your sins are forgiven you. And, And some of the scribes that were sitting there reasoning in their heart, why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And I want to say, duh, he's God, okay? I'm just saying, you know. Let me give you this element before we talk. The final element of a desperate people is a desperate people is a delivered people. They're hungry. They're dangerous. They're determined. Oh, but they're delivered. They're delivered. You know, sometimes God miraculously intervenes and delivers us out of our hurt and sickness and harm's way. But sometimes God will give you the strength to cope and go through. Either way, he gets the glory. Deliverance is what the four men sought for their friend. Deliverance is what the paralyzed man received. Our God never changes. So I'm going to tell you, Hope, that same deliverance is available this morning. Because our God never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever really is. I'm going to say, I'm going to say this. I'm going to go back to the statement I said to you earlier. The paralyzed man hung out with people that possessed the gift that he did not have. Men of God, if you, if you want to be desperate for God, sometimes it causes us to join ourselves with men who have gifts that we do not have. I know, I've had, in our, in our men's discipleship class, Pastor Norm, we have a prayer list when we pray. I've had things on that list for a year and a half. And guys kept praying, but God delivered. The last thing I need is to join myself with somebody that says, Pastor Chuck, Man, you've had Mark on that list for six months and nothing's happened. We need to move on. I don't need people like that. I need people that says, hey, we're going to be determined, pal. We're going to pray that thing through until he gets delivered. Line yourself up with somebody that's been there, done that, and has the victory over where they've been. That's who I'm, I'm, man, let me get close to that person. That's who I need. The word says grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us, right? Deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of God and the Father. There will always be opposition to those who possess a hungry, dangerous, determined, desperate for God heart. The enemy will always try to discount the miracle 
through doubt and unbelief. Anybody ever face that? Right? Let me give you something. Little, I'm just a little different this morning. The first thing I think, I think microwave popcorn. Microwave popcorn. Now hang in there. Do you ever take a bag of microwave popcorn and you put it in the microwave, right? And I don't know if you have a popcorn button on yours or if it's, you know, two minutes or whatever, you put it in until it's burnt, whatever, I don't know, you know, whatever it is, you know. But don't you do this with me. You place the entire bag into the microwave, you push the right button, and you wait for the results. Every kernel in that bag is under the same condition, under the same power, and for the same length of time. But inevitably, some of those kernels refuse to be transformed into an edible snack. They are never changed. When you pull the bag out, there's some kernels in the bottom of the bag, right? They all had the same opportunity, the same length, the same power, the same time. You know what? All of the people that were in this house with Jesus, they were not there to receive his words. They were there to trap him and to bring it into his ministry. Why do I say that? Because, folks, be careful and watch out. The enemy still kills, steals, and destroys. Don't ever let him steal your testimony. Don't ever let him steal your miracle. Don't ever let him steal your victory. Don't ever let him steal anything that God has done for you. It ain't his. It's yours, and it was given to you by the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Don't ever let him do that. But you will run into people that refuse to be, be changed, people that refuse to be transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. All they have is criticism and discouragement, and they stand as a hindrance to the answers and blessings that God's got for those. Don't ever limit God. Amen, Hope? Don't ever limit God. Don't, don't. You never say that a situation is too far gone for God to answer. That ain't right. There ain't nothing God can't do. You know? Find folks that have been through the trials and yet persevered. Folks who have been through seasons of suffering and they found a victory. Because they can tell you how to get there. Been there and done that. That's people that the word quit never crosses their mind. Quit? For what? To go back to what? Can't be serious. That's people of desperate determination. People that know freedom and deliverance. Those that will know encouragement that you'll need to have to persevere to the answer that God has for you. That's the people you want to join with. Praise team. Let me, let me say, if, if we've if we got music uh, to come, and then, Pastor, I'm going to turn this back over to you in just a minute. Let me read this last scripture to you. Can I give you one more scripture? Can I do that? And I'll get out of the way. Um, when I say desperate people are delivered, watch this. Mark chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Immediately he rose, took up the bed, and went out in the presence of them all, so that they were amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. Our God takes care of the eternal first. He forgave him of his sins first. 
Let me say this much. And I don't want to be blunt, but everybody that Jesus healed passed away. Healing is temporary. Healing is for the church, yes. Healing is for us today. But our eternal God will take care of the eternal factor first, which is the forgiveness of sins. And then he will deal with our physicalities. Are we ready to let him deal with our hearts first? Amen. Can we do that? Mount Hope, all I got to tell you today, let's be the church that everybody in this community arises and says, I ain't never seen anything like that. That the presence of the King of Kings will be so invasive in this place that every neighbor that you walk into that says, Pastor Norm, we ain't never seen nothing like that. The presence of the King is there, is there, is there. How do we do that? We're hungry, we're dangerous, we're determined, but we walk in deliverance, amen? Walk in deliverance. Praise be to Almighty God, and to Him be the glory forever and ever and ever. Pastor Norm, let me turn this over to you, buddy. Let the Holy Spirit work with you. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me? If you were here last week, or if you've ever attended any of our services, you know that the end is the most important part of the whole service. As Brother Chuck said, God always takes care of the eternal first. He cares more about your soul than he does your physical body because your soul is going to heaven. Your physical body, one day, it, it's just going to give out. Some of us are almost there now. <laughs> you say, amen, brother. <laughs> but you know what? Your soul is young. And it's going to live forever if you put your trust in Jesus. But you've got to take that step of faith. I don't know where you are with Jesus today, but I want to give everybody an opportunity to say yes to Christ today. I also feel like, and, and Brother Chuck, you, you, uh, you gave some amazing things here. Be hungry. Some of you, your appetite is less than it should be. You know what I'm saying? Amen, Pastor Norm? Some of you, you need to be more dangerous. Come on. I'm not just preaching to me, I don't think. Some of you, you need to be delivered. You know what? I don't know what that is. Because every single person in here has, has a different giant you're facing. Maybe two or three. And you have got to go after God, and he'll give you the stones, all right? Like David, he'll give you the stones that you need to take that giant down, but you got to go to him. And, and then last, and, and I love this message, Pastor Chuck. Hallelujah. What was the last one? I said be delivered. Was that it? Be determined. Oh, I missed that one. Oops, it's in there somewhere. 
My phone keeps popping other stuff up. You got to be determined. Hallelujah. I don't know where you're at, but let's bow your heads. And this is between you and the Lord. I'm just asking you to give me a sign so I know who's actually being ministered to here. I'm not going to call you up. I'm not going to embarrass anybody. Although that part shouldn't matter. But if you're here today and you need Jesus, you say, Pastor Norm, I need somebody to pray with me today. I need to just put my trust in him. I want to go to heaven. I want to be with him. And the Bible, it does say, those that put their trust in Jesus will never be ashamed. But the Bible also says if you deny him, he will deny you before the Father. So right now I'm going to ask, if you're here today and you say, I need Jesus, and you know the Holy Spirit's been working on you, that's you, lift your hand up real quick so I can see it. Yep. Hands going up all over the room. Thank you. You can put them down. If you fit any of those other categories, maybe you need boldness, maybe you, you need to be delivered from something. You've said yes to Jesus, but you keep coming back, coming back because you keep failing it in one area in your life. If that's you, all heads bowed, please. Nobody looking around. Just lift your hand up real quick so I can see it. Yep. Hands going up all over the room. Thank you. You can put them down. Thank you for being honest. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's just take a minute. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Mm. You know, one of the brothers, before I came up here today, handed me uh, something, and, and he talked about it was a, a litany of things. Getting ahead of God, not hearing his voice. And you know, I had to say, Lord, if that's me, God, forgive me. As the pastor of this church, if I'm not listening to your voice, if I'm getting ahead of you, forgive me. But I also believe there are some in this room, you've not been listening to God's voice. And this isn't an indictment against you. It's just a, it's a rebuke. It's a buffet. It's a God disciplining you saying, look, child, daughter, son. I'm trying to lead you. I'm trying to guide you. But you keep refusing to listen. And eventually, you're going to go off the edge of the cliff if you don't stop. And I believe there are some in this room today that you just need to stop right where you're at. Start listening for His voice. You need to get plugged into the church where you can hear His voice and know His voice rather than the voice, all the other voices you keep listening to. How many can say Amen. So if that's for you, you wear this shoe, okay? And make a change. Change for the good. Get in the Word of God so you know what's right and what's wrong. Because if you're doing things wrong and you know the truth, then what's wrong with you? Let's pray. If you raised your hand for any of those things today, pray this prayer loud enough so your own ears can hear you. Heavenly Father, I'm desperate for you. I need Jesus' blood to wash over me today. I covenant with you through his blood. 
Cleanse me of all my unrighteousness. Forgive me for all my wrongs. Today, on April the 8th, 2018, I give you my life, my love, all that I am, all that I have. It's yours. Use it to bring glory to your kingdom. And now, Jesus, help me to be bold, faithful, strong, to persevere, to go through the fire if I need to, knowing that you're always with me. And when I get to the other side, to give you all the glory and all the praise. Grab hold of me now, Lord, and put a hunger in me to never be satisfied with what I had yesterday, but to always desire more of you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a hand today. He deserves it. If, if you have never gotten one of these little booklets, the brother back here, Jerry, has a handful. Brother Ken, uh, somebody up here who I'm, I don't know who you're pointing at, but anyway, over there. <laughs> There's a little booklet. If you're new to the Lord, it's a great asset to take with you. It's free. It's called The Start of Something Wonderful, The New Life. And that will guide you through this process of being a, a, a Christian. If you need a Bible, talk to the men. They'll give you a Bible. We don't want you leaving here today without the tools to continue on this journey. Your life just started in Jesus. If you raised your hand for the umpteenth time, your life is brand new again today. Because God doesn't hold what you did yesterday against you as long as it's under the blood. Yeah, you ought to be excited about that. Because I know some of you on the way into church today probably needed to repent before you came in here. You know what I'm saying. You know who you are. It happens. But God will forgive you as long as you keep bringing it to him. Listen, we are the hope. I love it, brother, the hope. And hope, I'm sorry, because you really had to feel that today. Because <laughs> that's your name, the hope. What an amazing, amazing time it is. Let's bring people in. Like those four, they grabbed that one who couldn't get there on his own and they drug him in there. I'm not suggesting you go out and handcuff people to bring them in, please. But go after them. You know, we've got a great, great opportunity next weekend. By the way, every night again this week, Monday through Thursday, 7 p.m. right here, come and pray with us. I don't believe anything happens without prayer. And we're praying, we're, we're not praying for Mount Hope. We're praying that God's kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven here in Gaylord, Michigan. That's what we're praying. We're praying for the souls that are walking in darkness right now, for that one that's about to take his or her life because they have no hope. Those are the people we're praying will get here. And trust me, I will give them an opportunity. God will give them an opportunity to get saved next weekend. So bring them in. I love you guys. God bless you.
Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, again, we are just, if I can use the word geeked, (laughs) to be in your house today. We are blessed beyond measure, Lord. We are humbled to be standing in the presence of the King of kings and Lord of lords. And I know you're not done with the people of the hope. You're just starting. And God, I pray that when we go out of here today, it would be with the roar of a lion, not the bam of a sheep. Lord, that we would be powerful. We would be effective as righteous warriors of the King, as children of the Most High God. Guide us and lead us. Help us to hear your, your voice, whether you're yelling at us or whether you're gently whispering, God, that we would hear your voice in the name of Jesus, we pray. We give you permission. Say, that's me. We give you permission, Lord. Now say, that's me, you. We give you permission to do whatever you need to do to get me in right standing with you. That you say, amen. Lord, we thank you for the blessings of the kingdom the favor of God on me on this people and Lord keep us safe in our coming and in our going bless our brother Pastor Chuck Willis Lord as he ministers to the men of our our state God just increase the giftings on this man we pray in Jesus name and we thank you for that word may it go with us hallelujah Everybody said. If you have a prayer need, our prayer partners will be up here. If you want to come up now, you're welcome to come. Pastor Tony brought a couple of his prayer warriors with him. If you need prayer for anything, come and tug on their ear. We're going to turn the music down softly. God bless you. Have a great week in Jesus. Keep, please keep our team, our, our, our uh, people in the production in your prayers this week. They need it. God bless you. Have a great week.